to episode five of the Easier Said Than Done podcast. My name is Brennan Donahue. With me is Bob Horgan and Dave Toscano. Fellas, how we doing? Same as usual. Pretty good. Yeah, doing good. We got some uh, big news coming from me and Don's side. Uh, two podcast mics coming in, so the sound quality is about to explode on uh, next week's podcast. But Yeah, yeah I, was, I was hoping, I was telling them that I checked the Amazon tracking this morning and it said deliver between 10 and 2. So I was all giddy that I was going to get a brand new microphone, going to sound great. And then Amazon decides to change it to somewhere before 10 p.m. tonight. So, um, you, know, you know, screw Amazon. So how many, how many orders do you think an Amazon delivery guy drops off at a college campus on a daily basis? I bet you here it's somewhere around a thousand. Like everyone's uh, maybe maybe less, like five hundred a day. Yeah. Thousands. That's a lot of labor, right there. I know, but if you think about it, there's like what nine thousand kids that probably live in Durham or on campus. Yeah. There's a chance. There's a chance. Yeah. I bet you they drop off a decent amount at the uh, college post office and in, in the mub. Uh, so today, just a quick run through of what we're going over. We're going to talk a little college basketball talk a little Champions League, and talk a little baseball. Uh, the guest today, really cool guest that we have on, uh, Zach Hample, otherwise known as the foul ball guy. If you don't recognize that name and you're a baseball person, he's collected over 11,000 foul balls, including um, A-Rod's 3,000th hit and Mike Trout's first career home run. He's developed quite the following as a ball hawker, if you will, within the baseball community and his director slash videographer slash right-hand man, Chris, who also does the on-play on-field replay for uh, the Yankees and the Mets. So a really cool uh, opportunity for us to sit down and talk to them, kind of chop it up about everything between, you know, who has the best food to what it's like as a normal day at the ballpark, what they do trying to get from point X to point uh, why during a game, you know, really cool stuff that, you know, you might not be able to hear on his normal content. Um, and then after that, we'll go into our gambling round table and that'll be it. So since last time we talked the big teams and kind of like what happened, Michigan beat Iowa by 22, beat Indiana by 16 and then lost to Illinois by 23. Important to note that they lost to Illinois by 23 without Io Dunsuma it was reported that he was going to play pregame, but did not. Ohio State lost to both Michigan State and Iowa. Kansas got upset or upset Baylor, and then Baylor also went on to beat West Virginia on Tuesday. Oklahoma State, with three straight wins over ranked opponents to put them into the top 25, they beat Texas Tech and Oklahoma twice. Florida State lost to UNC uh, over the weekend and then manhandled BC by 30 points last night. Arkansas has now won seven in a row. Uh, and Villanova lost to Butler, but then beat Creighton last night. But important to note that they lost senior point guard Colin Gillespie. They're probably the heart and soul of their team. And it sounds like it's going to be a serious injury that might keep them out for the NCAA tournament. Jay Wright said it is serious. Bob, where out of those results catches your eye the most? Oklahoma State, definitely. I think me, uh, me and Dave have kind of been big on the Oklahoma State bandwagon. Um, they look really good right now. Cade Cunningham had a huge game on Saturday, and then they followed up with a big win at home. Same team, Oklahoma, but their rival. Um, 
I also, I'm not going to pull a lot of stakes that Florida State, UNC loss. The ACC is just kind of beating up on each other. Um, and then another team I want to touch upon is Michigan. Just when you thought, you know, Michigan was the team um, that could probably be the other, I mean, Gonzaga obviously is kind of untouched and they're going to be untouched until the tournament. But just when you kind of thought Michigan was the other team, uh, they go and get blown out at home too with, again, you said Iota Sumo is out. Um, I'm definitely, definitely interested. This is a big week because, you know, it's the end of the tournament, uh, end of the regular season schedule, and then we're going into conference tournament play. Um, so we're going to find out more about, you know, kind of the teams that are supposed to be the good teams. But, again, college basketball every year is just, it's probably the best single event or single sport during the regular season because anybody can beat anybody. And uh, we kind of saw that this week. Yeah, but I think that that Michigan lost to Illinois. I don't think it takes them out of the Michigan, I mean, Gonzaga, Baylor, and every, versus everybody else conversation. I think Michigan still belongs next to Baylor and Gonzaga. You know, these, these losses happen. Like Kansas, or Kansas beats Baylor. It is a little alarming that they got manhandled that much without Dunsuma, but I still think that this is a team who should be favorited to not only – go to the final four, but maybe even win the tournament. Um, Hunter Dickinson, like that, that whole team is just, they look all with the exception of that Illinois, they always look just so calm. Solid. And like, they're just so yeah, it's just Jawan Howard has been such a good hire for them. He seems like he's going to be the, like the next great college basketball coach that might be kind of preemptive and jumping from the gun. Uh, but it's, it's tough to argue about it considering the results this year. Dave, what about you? What, what caught your eye this week? Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State, we're going to keep riding that train. Um, me and Bob really like them. I'm sure a bunch of other people do. Um, but we also want to talk about Illinois a little bit. Um, they had a good rebound from that loss to Michigan State the other week with W's over Wisconsin and Michigan. And they got another big opportunity coming up this week to make their case for a number one seed versus Ohio State on Saturday. Um, that should be a really good game. And then I want to talk a little bit about the A-10 um, mid-major conference. I mean, that tournament, it started yesterday, and it's pretty wide open. I mean, you've got two teams that are expected to get bids into the tournament in St. Bonaventure and VCU. And then also St. Louis, who's knocking on the door. They kind of they got derailed with COVID. They were ranked earlier in the year, and then they ran into a lot of issues. So that kind of took them out of the spotlight. But all those top teams have had bad losses to some of the bottom feeders in the league. And I think you, I hope you know where I'm going with this because my boys, UMass, will go through this tournament. And if they beat St. Louis tomorrow, watch out. I'm just saying nope. anyone, anything can happen in this tournament, especially this year. It's not the strongest um, that the A-10's been. And UMass played lights out today. They shot crazy they put up about 100 points I turned the game off early but if they keep that up into, into tomorrow then it's possible that they beat St. Louis I won't what's say, the bet you have with Miles oh if UMass makes the sweet 16 he owes me like 500 bucks yeah it was either yeah and, and and if it doesn't then you owe him five dollars yes <laughs> so you pretty much just gave Miles five dollars hey at the beginning of the year I thought they weren't going to lose some of those games they were going to lose. But they've also, they also had a lot of COVID issues. So they have guys. 
He's putting faith in his guys. Can't. Yeah. Can't, yeah. No problem with that. They're still in it, unlike you and H. Yeah, you know, we, we put faith in our guys, and they blow it as the three seed and go lose to a bum-ass UMass Lowell. That's as, tough. Uh, That's as tough. John Rothstein always just says, this is March. If you are a college basketball fan or a sport fan, you probably know that this is the best month of college basketball action, which is, in my opinion, the best kind of month of the sports year, especially once two weeks from now, woo, March Madness rolls around. Yeah, I mean, so for, for me, the things that caught my eye, um, Baylor has not been the same team since they came back from COVID. I know that they came behind – well, kind of came from behind to beat West Virginia at West Virginia, but struggled to beat Iowa State, struggled vastly against Kansas. Uh, Kansas. They were not good in that game at all. They're going to finish the season out with games against Texas Tech and Oklahoma, I believe. Oklahoma or no, State Oklahoma too. State. Yeah. Um. You know, those two games going into the Big 12 tournament, they've already won the Big 12 regular season title. But you kind of need to take advantage of these next five games or so if you're Baylor to get your, get your mojo back, especially going into March where anything can happen once you hit the tournament. This is going to be a big weekend for Baylor. Uh, Arkansas, like I mentioned, has now won seven straight games. I don't know what I need to see from Arkansas. Specifically, I still just don't see it. I think they're kind of fraudulent. I think that they have four seed that loses to 13 seed kind of look to them. If they ran into like a Winthrop or a Belmont, that's a, those are teams that I think could really give them a run for their money. Um, and the last one that I'm going to talk about is Ohio State losing to Michigan State and Iowa. I don't think those are two bad losses. And to some extent, I think that you can kind of give them some leeway because they do have some good wins this season, but they were really exposed. They have no size in the post. Any team that has a big guy, which, I mean, if you look at the Big Ten, it's nothing but big, good, big guys. Like between Hunter Dickinson, between Luca Garza, between Micah Potter, between, I forget the guy at, Purdue's name he's number 50 Kofi Cockburn yes I mean all of these teams so that I mean I could see Ohio State struggling in the Big Ten tournament and if they get the right seeding that could that could be a a case for them to struggle uh, in March you know what I love about March is that you can be the best team it does not just because Gonzaga is the best team right now they're not touched it's all about matchups. It really, at the end of the day, it comes down to how you match up with the team. Um, again, like Ohio State, I, I kind of think they were a little bit overrated, but, you know, they come out and they might not get a, you know, a section where they have to go against a good big and they can kind of just play how they've been playing. Um, but I think that's kind of, that's, that's how it is in March. It's if you have a good matchup and you can expose it, you'll win the game, but you'll run into games where you just get screwed with your matchup and, you pray to God you win. I also think that Villanova losing Colin Gillespie opens up a door for a Big East team that might not have made the tournament to get to either the championship or even win the Big East tournament. Providence. Right now it's one Nova, two Creighton, three UConn, four uh, Seton Hall, five Xavier. Xavier's on the outside looking in right now. Seton Hall's probably like towards the last four in. UConn could use that to go from like a seven seed to a five seed, something like that. Creighton could use that to go from a five seed to like a four or three seed. So 
that's something that I think we need to keep an eye on. Um, yeah, anything else from you guys about college basketball? Shouldn't sleep on Michigan State. It seems that every team we talk about, oh, they just lost to Michigan State. If they manage to get their way in, um, they could definitely make some noise. Yeah, I mean, something to be said for, for marquee programs that get in and are, are low seeds. I mean, just look at Kentucky. I think it was 2013. They were an eight seed going in, and they had all the talent in the world, but just had didn't really put it together during the regular season until late. And they had – I think that was the team with the Harrison Twins. Bob, was James Young on that team? I believe it was the Harrisons, James Young, and then was Terrence Jones on that squad too. Maybe. It might have been one of those teams. But, like, they went on to go beat the number one seed in Wichita State. They made it all the way to the Final Four. I think – actually, they might have made it to the championship game. Uh, that might have been the UConn year. I can't remember the year. But, I mean, you know, you have Tom Izzo. There's a couple of really good players on that team. Uh, Josh Langford's a hell of a point guard. Rocket Watts, that's an electric name. Um, you know, so we'll see what happens with them. They're going to probably need to win a game uh, – one game at the minimum – to, to keep their name in contention to get into the tournament. If they win two, then I would say that they're firmly in. If they lose first game, it might be tight. They're going to have to depend on other teams. They have Michigan twice this That's week. another one. That's yeah, I think if they split that, one of those two, then that also puts them in. Yeah. All right, so we are now going to hop into the soccer portion of the show a little bit early for today, but, you know, we're changing things up a little bit. No Champions League games this week. Uh, second leg of eight of the games or four of the games sorry are going to be coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday Tuesday Porto is going to Juventus Porto's got a 2-1 advantage Juventus got that important away goal uh, from Fernando Chiesa Sevilla is going to Dortmund Dortmund has a one goal advantage but they have two away goals um, so Sevilla is most likely probably going to need two goals at least maybe three to get through on Wednesday, Leipzig is going to Liverpool. Liverpool is up 2-0 with two away goals. And then Barcelona is going to PSG down 4-1, to and PSG has four away goals. Um, so it's going to be tough. We'll, we'll start with that one, the, the big one. It's going to be tough for Barcelona to get through here. They're going to need a, a flawless performance, but they've done exactly this about three years ago. They were down, was it 4-0 or 4-1? Actually, I wrote it down. It was they were down four nothing, and then they won six one. Yeah, so they won six one in the second leg, and then they just did the same thing yesterday. They played. They're uh, playing against Sevilla in the Copa del Rey semifinals. They were down two nothing in the first leg. PK scored a goal in the ninety sixth minute to bring it to uh, extra time. Scored again in extra time and went through. So they're in the final now. So I mean, it's not completely unthinkable but it's unlikely. We'll say that. And it should be noted that the time that they did that with against PSG previously, they had Neymar, they had Luis Suarez. So, I mean, there's, it's a different team for sure, but they still have that guy, Leo Messi. So who knows? Yeah. It's not going to happen, but you never know. It could. It could. Yeah. I mean, but they've got PSG has four away goals and they're playing at home. It's not going to happen. Probably not. Uh, and then we're going to – Who did Barcelona oh, – Who did they come back from down 4 nothing? PSG. Same team. I was going to say, PSG is, like, actually, like, really good, and it's, like, basically the one of the best teams in the world. So, I was going to 
kind of tough. PSG to didn't have Mbappe though. So I mean, minus two of the world's best attackers for Barcelona, and then you add two of the world's best attackers for PSG. So it's it's very very different. If you're watching that game, that was one of the most wild games ever. Six one, they just scored. Oh, it was crazy. Did you watch that game, Bob? Or have you ever seen the highlights for it? Uh, I, I've seen some. I, I remember the moment happening. I think we were in, like, high school baseball tryouts. And I just remember some kids being like, holy shit. Like, did you see what happened? Like, we were Yeah, in, no, so they were, they were down 4 nothing. I think they scored two. And then PSG scored. So they knew that they were going to need four more. They scored one. Then Neymar drew a PK. Then Neymar hit a free kick. And then literally in the last 30 seconds, they threw everyone into the box and somehow snuck one in. I think it was Sergio Roberto. So, I mean, literally probably the closest thing that 28 to three for the Pats has ever been in, in soccer. Uh, and then we'll, we'll just work our way back. So the other Wednesday game is going to be Red Bull Leipzig against Liverpool. Liverpool's kind of – I'm not going to say that they've gotten their form back, but they've halted the skid a little bit. Needed that – I mean, they, they really needed to play a shitty opponent, and having a game against Sheffield, who was in last, I think helped. Um, they just beat them 2 nothing on Sunday. Another one, I don't, I don't see Leipzig getting through here. Um, Liverpool you know, at home, Leipzig's going to need – it's going to need to be 2 nothing for them to go to extra time. And then if Liverpool scores one, they're going to need – or more than one, they're going to need at least three. So I, I just don't see that one happening. I don't think they have enough offensive firepower. Yeah, the game's actually in Budapest. I don't think that'll make much of a difference. Uh, that was just news that came out uh, last night, I believe. But similar to the Dortmund game – I guess all the other games, other than the Juventus game, the away goals are going to come in into play, and Liverpool has two. So it's it's a, it's a steep hill for Red Bull to climb, and I don't think they don't have the same quality as Liverpool. So I think even though Liverpool hasn't been playing the best they can, obviously they've had injuries, but yeah, I mean, they just have more quality, and that quality is going to bring them through the next round with a 2-0 with a lead. And then Tuesday, Sevilla is going to Dortmund. I, that game's either going to have a million goals or it's going to have no goals. And the way that Dortmund tends to defend it might be a million again, which is kind of doesn't really work in Sevilla's favor, especially having to come back here. They're not a high-scoring team by any means. They like to win a lot of games, one nothing, 2 nothing, 2-1 to kind of range. But Dortmund has Erling Holland. They have Marco Royce. They have Julian Brandt. I mean, they just have attackers on attackers on attackers. Jaden Sancho, forgot to mention that one. That's a big one. I mean, do you see any – any? I'm not going to say it's inconceivable to think that Sevilla gets through here, but this is another one where it's going to be very difficult. Yeah. Um, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but Dortmund has three away goals. It's going to be really tough for Sevilla to come back. They're basically going to have to win by two goals – and have a perfect game. I don't see it happening, but it's definitely going to be probably the most fun game to watch out of the two on Tuesday, I think. Which one would you rather watch, the Juve-Porto or Dortmund? So I think, I think it's going to have to – it's all going to – you're going to find out in the first 10 minutes because we'll just segue right into the next one. Porto is 
on the opposite side. So I would say all of the other three games that we talked about, the favorite is in control. They're at home. And the underdog is going to have to come back to really make any noise. This is the complete opposite. So the underdog is up a goal. They're on the road. They're up by 2-1. So Juventus does have that away goal. But Porto is going to probably throw eight, nine guys behind the ball from the start. And I don't know how much – I mean, I, I can say that all I want. But at the same time, I, I was wrong about the way Porto came out last time. And that probably has to do with the fact that Juventus literally gave them a goal in the first minute. But they came out firing. I mean, they, they didn't really back down to Juventus at all. So I think I'd probably rather watch the Porto yeah, – I don't know. Okay, I'm going to – no, Sevilla Dortmund because Erlen Holland's a, a monster. Bob, have you ever seen Erlen Holland play? Not. He is a – I do have Juventus does that, or however you say it. They do have the GOAT. Messi? They have Messi? Yeah, exactly. I think uh, Messi plays for Barcelona. I was referring to uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, my goat. Fair enough. But, yeah, I feel like if you had to pick maybe Dortmund because of Holland, if you haven't seen him play, you should definitely pick that one. But, I don't know. If you like if you like the, the classics, maybe you want to watch the Juventus game with Ronaldo. I don't know. Bob, if I were to compare this in, like, basketball terms, I would say that Mbappe – and uh, and Holland are like the NBA's Luca and Zion, like two just like studs that people will go out of their way to go watch just because they're that good and like they're going to be up next. Like I think Holland's twenty one, twenty two, Mbappe is the same age. They're going to be around for a while. Like Holland is probably six three, six four. He's wicked fast, and he doesn't have a piece of finesse in his game. Every single ball that he hits is good trying to break the back of the net. Yeah. He's a tank, basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's definitely a tank. Uh, all right, so let's segue into some baseball news here. Um, so we're just going to kind of briefly look at the Sox. Uh, we'll go into depth more as we get closer to the season here. But pitchers and catchers report – this week, big day kind of is the unofficial spring is coming kind of accomplishment, if you will. Um, getting through the winter, we get to pitchers and catchers report, and all of a sudden the sun comes out and life is good again. The Sox are not the same Sox. They just um, traded Andrew Benatendi for two guys and three players to be named later, which is probably one of the more confusing trade packages I've ever seen in my life. Jackie Bradley Jr. was announced today, actually, that he signed a two-year, $24 million deal with the Milwaukee Brewers. So with that being said, this is a crazy one. There are only nine players that remain from the World Series team that won it two years ago. So who's coming in now? So new to the Red Sox this year, we have starting pitcher Garrett Richards, relief pitcher Adam Ottavino, Utility man, Marwin Gonzalez. Utility man, Kike Hernandez. Outfielder, Hunter Renfro. And outfielder, Franchi Cordero. Out of those names that I just said, do any of those catch your eye and say, oh, my God, that is sexy? Adam Adovino. Adam Adovino throws. I think what is his go-to? He's got like a 
is it a sinker I think he throws? Or he throws one pitch that is unreal. Um, for people who don't know who he is, he was the Yankees, you know, seventh, eighth inning guy with that bull. The Yankees bullpen is unreal. So where if you're pitching in that bullpen, you're a stud. Um, we got him on a pretty, I mean, I don't really think we gave up much. Uh, I think he has a chance to kind of come in for a year and, I don't think right now we have him as our closer. I think Barnes is still our closer, and I think Ottavino is going to be the eighth inning guy. But as a guy who I, I am a Sox fan, uh, you know, I'm pretty invested in the team. I know kind of what's going on. The Sox have needed bullpen help for forever, um, and Ottavino will definitely strengthen that bullpen. I Another guy we didn't bring because he's not uh, uh, this year acquisition, but I'm interested in seeing Jeter Downs. I'm hoping he kind of – I'm hoping he wins the second base job, actually, and that way we're seeing him every day. But I think he's our, our number one prospect. He's in, like, the top 40 in the MLB prospect rankings. Got a sick man. Um, so I'm just hoping he kind of comes up, and then you let him, Bogarts, and Rafi figure it out, and there's your infield for the next eight years. Um, I, yeah. The nothing. The socks are not sexy this year by any means. Um, the only thing that's going to catch your eye is the young talent that's going to be coming in and out of the team. So yes. last year the Red Sox sucked, but a lot of new guys, a lot of new young guys, came up and impressed. So four names that I have written down to keep an eye on, and there's probably a couple more that I, I failed to mention. Number one, Jeter Downs, like you mentioned, I don't think he'll start with the Red Sox. The way it sounds out of camp is he might come up probably like the June, July range, like a lot of those prospects uh, end up doing, especially with the signing of Kike Hernandez, who plays second base. They might give him a little bit of time because he didn't really play much last year. He was at that alternate site, so he wasn't really getting like meaningful game time. So they might give him a little bit of triple-A time or double-A time, no matter depending on how that all goes. The other one I have written down is Bobby Dahlbeck. He's going to be first base slash third base slash DH. He just mashes the ball. Like he's, if you remember Adam Dunn playing, he's very similar to Adam Dunn where if the ball makes contact with his bat, it's a decent chance that it might go out. But the problem is that the ball doesn't make contact with the bat enough. He's going to strike out a lot. I think there was a point in the season last year where he had six hits and five of them were home runs, something like that. So, I mean, he's got crazy power. He'll be – He'll be one of those guys where when he's on a hot streak, Fenway will love him, and he'll also have those times where he has a cold streak and he will get some boost. And he'll learn to embrace that. Who knows how much of how much noise a 12% capacit, capacitated? Is that how you say it? Capacitated? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like 12% of the fans that Fenway can hold. I don't know how much noise that's going to make. That's what I'm meaning to say. Uh, the third one is um, – Jarrett Duran, I think that's his name. I wrote down Duran, and then I forgot his first name. It's Jaron. Jaron Duran. Um, just hit a home run in the spring training game that they had yesterday. He's a really speedy outfielder. I was looking at his highlights. He can run the base as well. He's very good defensively. And I think he can hit for contact, but he just showcased a little bit of power, so who knows. And the last one is Tanner Huck. Came in for three games, three starts, I believe, last year, and put on a show on every single – outing I think he only let up two total earned runs Um, so very interested to see what he can do especially at the state of the Red Sox rotation and how that's going to be Dave what are your thoughts on the Sox yeah not gonna lie you totally stole all my talking points but um, definitely a good year for the the young players might 
see some of them down the line. Jeter Downs, I'm probably most excited about. A lot of people think he's the second baseman of the future for the Sox. And then it's tough not to mention Chris Sale coming back from, from rehab. He's probably not going to be ready till even the all-star break, I'd say. They don't want to rush that, obviously. And I mean, it's not going to be the best year for the Sox. We'll see how it goes. But I would say the ceiling for them is probably first wild card spot. I don't think that they can win this division. Um, but they, I mean, if the Rays don't have a good year, if the Yankees don't have a good year, I could definitely see them kind of beating up a little bit on the at least. Are they, Are they doing the divisions like they did last year? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think it's back to normal. I think it is too. I would say the wild card, getting to the wild card would be a success. Yeah. Especially, I don't, I don't think Chris, like, I, I don't know. I got a, we got a buddy at school who's a, a diehard Yankees fan and we kind of always pull his leg, but sometimes the Sox fan, you get to sit back and just, I, I will accept them not doing a whole lot because I know that they're a classic, like don't do anything for a couple of years and then they'll just win the world series. Um, I think we just got to get healthy. That's a big, Chris Sale is obviously, he's a horse, but we got to figure out kind of what he really is. Cause he's all, he's minimum 32, 33, which, you know, and his arm problems, which is never good. And he's got that weird, he throws weird. One thing I yeah, do, he, or sorry. He throws kind of violently. Yeah. And just like a, Almost like his arm, like, whipped, kind of. I don't know. Weird, weird pitching uh, motion. You were talking about Jaron Duran. Did you see the quote Cora came out with on him? No. Just the quote was simply, he eats, sleeps, lifts, and plays baseball. Um, that kind of makes me think that he just loves the game of baseball, which is huge. And I feel like he could be a guy who, like, in our outfield is not, Arrowfield's going to be a who's that guy, and I think all three guys are going to be – besides Verdugo. Sorry, Verdugo's going to be a lock. But I can see Duran getting a lot of game action, um, which would be good to see. Always like to have a young prospect come up. I'll be interested to see where they put Verdugo if Duran makes a team out of camp because I think he's got the arm to play center field, but he can also play right field. And I think his arm would kind of be wasted in left field. And I think that between them signing Gonzalez, Hernandez – Having JD who can play left field, I don't think that they're going to use their better defensive outfielders in left. So it'll be interesting to see. And then there's also Hunter Renfro. So, I mean, a lot to be seen here. Kind of, I, mean, I don't know how much you're going to see during spring training, but um, that, you know, that, all this remains to be seen. Cora's back too. That might be. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Proud about that. Yeah. Too, can we, sorry, I'm going to butt it. And Absolutely. Do you guys know who Wonder Franco is? Say that again. Wander Franco. Wander Franco. He's the number one prospect in baseball. Not a Sox guy, sorry. This is not oh, 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 oh. Ray's shortstop, right? Yeah. He hit an absolute bomb. Just sorry. Baseball's back, and I saw the highlight. I was fucking I – was, I was awesome. He hit an absolute bomb. And just – I like baseball. Baseball yeah. baseball back. Was he the guy who, like, the Rays just brought up for, like, the World Series, just, like, nonchalantly? I don't think he came up, no. Oh, I don't he, know. No. I just, that was a highlight. He hit an absolute bomb, and having him in the division is going to be tough because you're not going to want to root for him because he's on one of your rivals. But I think he's Tatis 2.0. He's electric. So. 
Should be good. Yeah, Tatis is coming off of or going into, I guess you would say, a 13-year deal worth 340 million. Yeah. Yeesh. Yeesh. Any other thoughts? 20, before we move on? No. All right, so we are going to hop into our interview here. Like I said earlier in the podcast, with Zach Campbell and Chris Yon, they are a team that do um, baseball videos from all over the country at all different types of baseball parks. Zach has 11,000 baseballs, including A-Rod's 3,000th hit and Mike Trout's first career home run. He got to meet them both, got autographs from them, got to talk to them. He's really made a name for himself, for better or for worse, with some people in baseball, depending on who you ask. Some players love him, some players hate him, some people love him, some people hate him. We got to talk to him and Chris about what goes on when they get to the park, who they've interacted with, what they have to do when they get there so that they don't get noticed because Zach's become so well-known, and even questions like what they would do to change baseball for the better, which were some pretty interesting answers. I thought they were going to come out with like something a little bit more predictable, but three things that I would never think of before. Um, so make sure you listen to the end to hear those and we'll catch you on the flip side. All right. So we now welcome on uh, two incredibly interesting people. Uh, Zach Hample is a baseball fan collector and connoisseur of baseballs. Uh, he has gotten over 11,000 baseballs, including Alex Rodriguez's 3000th hit and Mike Trout's first career home run. We also welcome on Chris Yon, Chris has recorded anything and everything that you've ever seen played on a screen. He's recorded games from the Red Sox, Bruins, Celtics, the NHL Winter Classic, and the Stanley Cup Finals, along with a million things that I could keep on going on for forever for. Uh, he also does the uh, on-field replay at Yankee Stadium and City Field. We'll get into a little bit about that afterwards. But guys, thank you guys for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, great to be with you. So, uh, Zach, so for someone who, you know, might not have ever seen your videos in like a minute, how would you describe what ball hawking is and like what you do when you get into these games? Well, ball hawking is basically showing up at a baseball game as a fan and trying to catch baseballs that fly into the seats. So that's the main driving force behind what I do. I'm running all over the stadium you know, trying to be a good person in the process, not knocking anybody down as people like to joke about. But in the course of that and filming it for YouTube with Chris, who's my video guy, I eat crazy food. I interact with fans and players. I show some of the architectural quirks of the stadiums. I give scoreboard updates. So there's a whole narrative arc and flow to a video that we do together that captures a day at the ballpark and really how to maximize that experience. That's what it's all about. Nice. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, this one's going to go on with Chris. So Chris, as a, uh, a kind of what you do, what is the most memorable game or moment that you've witnessed while actually working where you kind of had to realize that, you know, like I'm working the game and I can't get lost in the moment of being a fan. Uh, that would be the first game I ever, uh, shot live game for Nesson. Um, that was at uh, Minute Maid Park, and it was getting uh, my first uh, shot live on camera when the director took, took uh, my shot and just getting screamed at and berated and chewed out for a full six innings of the game. That's when it was 
uh, that's basically how I learned to not enjoy it as a fan and be like, oh, I'm doing camera, this is so cool. What 24 year old gets to shoot Major League Baseball and, and lo you know, taking pictures, selfies, and uh, you know, telling all my friends and then just realizing, you know what, you're not as good as you think you are. Humble down there, big boy. Um, yeah, and then it was just six innings of just screaming and yelling and the best, worst experience of my life because I'll always remember that because the director wanted to make you better and uh, I needed at that point a little bit of humbling. But uh, I saw him after the game, I'm like, God, I'm sorry for all that, that uh, to make you so mad. And if I screwed up at all, I'm sorry about that. And he turns to me, goes, great game. Loved, loved everything. Let's go get a beer. So it was, uh, wow. that would be the first experience where I was very, which was memorable is shooting baseball and, and getting yelled at the whole time. I, I wanted to leave at that point and quit and <laughs> do something else. But uh, that was the first good memory. Awesome. And we'll go back to Zach for the next one. Um, so your popularity has grown over the past few years and you become recognized more and more when you're at games in the videos. It's tough not to notice, but what is the ratio of people that recognize you, uh, as the foul ball guy versus as Zach Campbell? And do you like that recognition? I don't even know how to differentiate between foul ball guy and Zach Campbell when I'm at a game. I mean, if, if people know my name, it's because they've probably seen videos of me running around catching baseballs. No one seems to know much about my personal life, which is probably just as well when they run into me at games. So it's really just a baseball thing. Uh, I don't know, Chris, what do you think is the ratio or the number of people that come up to me? To me, it feels like it's probably about 100 people a game on average. It's overwhelming. I mean, I, I find it very difficult because we're trying to film something. We're trying to get stuff done. We have time limits where after BP, we have a certain amount of time to get um, an on-camera piece done. And then we have to go to an opposite side of the ballpark to shoot something or meet with someone. And in 2019, he became so popular, at least when I'm on the road, it became such a hassle that he has a disguise that he goes uh, around the ballpark. Uh, the Red Sox gave out Dennis Eckersley hats with the long hair. And we use that on the road to get from one part of the stadium to the other so he doesn't get stopped. So he puts on the, the hat, it's got the hair, you know, we give him a pair of sunglasses. And that's the only way that we can get him from center field where he was for batting practice to behind home plate to do a food thing in time where nobody stops him because otherwise it's every two minutes, it's Zach, oh my God, it's Zach Campbell. And we're taking photos and it's taking, you know, 20 minutes to go from the foul pole in left field behind home plate. So I, I'd say it's gotten crazy. It sometimes interferes with our shooting, but we find ways around it. And, and him in a disguise is the way we, we get listen, him. Listen, you can't give away what the disguise is. Now people are going to look for Dennis Eckersley walking around the stadium. Oh, we have a new one this year. Yeah, we, we've been changing it up a little bit. And just, just to state something for the record, you know, it's, I, I'm always very happy to interact with people and meet people. And I love it when people recognize me and come up. Chris is, Chris is the grumpy one. I think he'd admit that. And I've actually told Chris like, dude, you have to be the bad guy and cut this off after a while. If too many people come up to me, like, you know, I'll be the nice guy signing autographs and doing selfies, but you have to be like, all right, like we got to go. We got to go. I'll, say that. I'll be like, thanks guys for coming out. We'll, we'll be back <laughs> to the section a little later. We need to film something and we, and I try to pull them away, but uh, I think of it more from a TV standpoint where we have 
this, this, and this to shoot. We got to get it done by this time. And I need my talent where I need them to be in this time. And, but uh, you do a really good job as far as signing and keeping kind of on schedule because we've never gotten in a situation where we have to film something during the anthem or some inopportune time. So yeah, we I, work. I wish I could spend more time with everyone, but usually when someone comes up to me, they want me to sign something. They might also want a selfie. They might want to ask me a question. They might want to tell me about the baseballs they caught that day. And that's easily a minute or two per person. And like I said, it, it can easily be a hundred people per day. And if you do the math, that, that could be an hour and a half of time that I'm spending with people. And if I'm only in the stadium for five hours, that's like a third of my time where I'm not able to work and I am there to film videos. So any individual person that I meet might think that I'm in a rush, but they, I guess they just have to realize that things really do get crazy. And, and after all, if people recognize me, it's because they like the videos. And in order to keep doing the videos that people like, unfortunately, like I said, I'm not able to just spend 10, 20 minutes shooting the breeze with, with every baseball fan. It's, it's a weird dynamic to have to walk the fine line on and keep everybody happy and not be rude, but also stick to what I'm there to do. And folks, have your cameras ready when you want a photo with them. Because a lot of times they'll hand it to me and I'll have to ask for passwords and I'll have to scroll through your text messages. Or yeah, the kids come up, they're like, oh, can I get a selfie? And I'm like, sure. And then they come up and it's not on selfie mode. And it's like, oh, what are you doing? I give them a hard time, but you know, it's no, all people want you to use. Or people want you to use your own camera and then text it to them. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then all of a sudden, Zach, you have Zach Campbell's number. Yeah. It's, it's finding that balance. And, you know, it seems like you guys do a great job with that. Uh, so, Chris, I have a personal – it's personal, I would say, because I was dumbfounded when I saw it. So, 2000 ALD, or 2018 ALDS Game 3, many people remember that as Brock Holt hitting for the cycle. Right. A lot of people might remember also that Angel Hernandez had an absolute stinker of a game umpiring that game. Mm -hmm. And I believe it was three calls that were overturned and you were the, um, on or the replay technician for that game. Right. At what point was, did you come out and he was like, all right, dude, I'm sick of seeing you already. <laughs> you saying that? Because uh, I remember Joe West coming up the stairs one of the games that goes, if I don't see you the rest of, of this game, I had a good day. But as soon as I saw Angel, I'm over on the side on the visitor's dugout and they come out. And I don't know who the umpires are until they're announced. But when I see Angel come out and he's at first base, I, I was thinking, okay, it's going to be a busy day because uh, he has a reputation of being horrible with the calls. And, you know, the first time I come out, okay, that's fine. It's a big game. You know, and it's an angel call. Okay. Second time I come out, I was like, oh, this, is, this doesn't look good for him. Third time I come out, and he didn't really say anything. The, the, the most emotion I saw was out of the crew chief, who was kind of embarrassed at this point. And this is my opinion, that, you know, we have to keep coming over because of this specific umpire. But, um, you know, I mean, it's part of the game. I've had other umpires where they've come over and it's been four plays overturned. Or five, I haven't had five. I had four a couple times. So it's not just Angel. I don't want to single him out. That was just the game I think a lot of people paid attention to. But it's not uncommon to have an umpire come over, the same umpire, you know, three or four times during a, the course of a season. So Yeah, definitely. The dynamic between, you know, you and them must be a very interesting one because, you know, 
when they see you, it's like, okay, I kind of, maybe I messed up here. But, you know, I remember seeing, you know, we were, I was in uh, a freshman in college and I was sitting in my dorm room and I remember you coming onto the screen. I was like, I, I know that guy. And it was like, it's not Didi Gregorius. It's not, you know, Chris Sale. That, that's Chris. Right. Yeah, no, I'm standing on the field and you can feel the, the phone vibrate in your pocket the whole time you're out there, even, even in the, the local broadcast. So, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, yeah, you don't know what you're going to get because you rotate. So I don't know, you know, I could, there's, you know, I've gone 10 games without being on the field at all. And then there's a homestand where I'm out every, every time there's a play. But, you know, they want to get it right. So I don't know if they come over to us thinking, you know, I'm the worst person they see. I think that when they come over and they get it right, I think that's more important than, you know, feeling embarrassed. Because a lot of times, too, networks will cut to the play and they'll just keep doing the replay over and over and over again. So you don't even see the umpire involved in the play who made the bad call because I mean, they're just showing us it's a talent when they're given the out or the safe. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, this one's kind of for both of you. How do you pick your schedule for like games to go to and how do you guys get into so many games? Zach, I'll let you ha handle that one. Well, we get into so many games by buying tickets. There's not really a fancy answer for that. I think a lot of people assume that MLB is hooking me up or, you know, I have people all over the place giving me free tickets and, and I do get free tickets from random people here and there, but we buy tickets to the games. Um, you know, SeatGeek a lot of the time, occasionally StubHub or, you know, directly from the teams or walk up to the ticket windows if I know it's not going to be crowded. Um, so, you know, that's pretty much how that works. And as far as picking games, I try to avoid games that are going to be very crowded for the most part. Certainly, if I'm going to opening day, I know it's going to be packed or the postseason, but I try to never see the Yankees on the road. I try not to see the Dodgers on the road. Uh, the Red Sox and Cubs, I would love to avoid them on the road as well, just because there's a zillion fans. And what I do is made more possible when I have more room to move around. Other than that, I try to avoid any big promotions like bobblehead days or fireworks nights. Um, and if a team is using commemorative baseballs, whether it's for one day only or for an entire season, I usually try to make a point to be there and try to catch one. And Chris deserves a lot of credit because he's a master at handling travel and logistics. So he helps a lot with planning stuff out and booking things and making it happen. Do you wanna tell them more about sort of what goes into it on your end? Yeah, we'll look at, like, if there's a commemorative ball, say, in Atlanta on this day, I'll look at who's home within driving distance from Atlanta. So if, we, if the Marlins are home or the Rays are home, I'll call Zach and be like, hey, we can do three games here and then drive and do two Marlins and then maybe on the way back stop, you know, for driving, which we never do, because I can do maybe, what, six hours we can do in a car together? Yeah, I feel like almost the Midwest would be a better example, because you have more cities yeah. that are clustered up close. Maybe but, Kansas yeah. City, you can do Cardinals, or you can do, we did Chicago, we did Cincinnati, you know, uh, Pittsburgh. So I'll try to clump cities that are kind of close together that we can drive to, that we can fly out to, and then drive maybe two or three stadiums from there, and then fly home from the last um, stadium that we're at. So... It really all depends on who's, like Zach said, who's playing. We like to go to weekday games 
like Wednesday Orioles versus Royals. Week night games, I should. Night, night uh, games too, yeah. Day games often don't have batting practice, so the more day games we can avoid, the better, but we do like going midweek. Weekend, crowd, weekend crowds are crazy, and there's usually more giveaways and less of a chance of there being batting practice. So, yeah, weeknight games, that's what we aim for. And I'll suggest stadiums I haven't been to because Zach pays for me to go. So I didn't, I've never been to Seattle. I went in 2019, never been to Cincinnati, went there in 2019. So I'll also be a little selfish in booking. <laughs> the videos turn out to be fantastic. We got to get you where? To Minnesota and to Bush Stadium? We got to go to Bush Stadium, Minnesota, Arizona, and that's it. Uh, Kansas City. Yeah. Well, we four. I don't know how that's going to work this year with travel still being such a mess, but we'll, we'll get you there at some point. Yeah, and I mean, this year especially, it's going to be weird. And, you know, some teams haven't really said whether they're going to be uh, letting teams in or letting fans in or what, at what capacity. So, yeah, like you said, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting uh, year logistically-wise for you guys. But, you know, no doubt you make it work. Uh, Dave, you got the next one? Yeah, and another one uh, could be for both of you. Um, both of you spend a lot of time working with big sports personalities. Who in your mind sticks out as maybe the funniest or just the most enjoyable person to work with? Hmm. I would have to answer when I was with the Red Sox, uh, David Ortiz, because um, when I was with field reporter Heidi Watney, who's um, known for taking a long time to interview people, um, and after games, we, we normally would have to pack our gear up and either leave it overnight or for traveling on the bus, pack it and put it on the truck. But one night we were in the middle of a homestand and both buses had left. So we were in the south side of Chicago, me and Heidi, all by ourselves. And we hear um, a loud booming voice coming from underneath the stands and it was David Ortiz. And uh, he ended up giving us a ride back to the hotel in his personal vehicle. So that was a very memorable experience. David Ortiz has always been really nice to me. Um, Got along with Kevin Cash. I uh, have a relationship with him where I see him on the field. He'll know who I am, and I'll know who he is. Um, and how about Jim Rice, Hall of Famer? Jim Rice, yeah, Rice and Eckersley from my Nesson days. Yeah, Jim will call me from time to time. He'll text message. He'll send my mom happy birthday wishes because there might be a little crush going on both ways. Oh. So, and Eckersley, yeah. So, obviously, every every uh, every are cool guys, everyone I work with in television, but I think when they were playing, I think David Ortiz would be my favorite. Where, what do you think? Clayton Kershaw for you? Kershaw. Kershaw's at the bottom of my list. Uh, but I've never, I've never worked with Kershaw. I've only interacted with him a few times from the stands. Um, I gotta go with Heath Bell, who's the player that I've gotten to know best over the years. He's just such a fun-loving guy. I first got to know him in 2005 when he was on the Mets. I mean, the Mets were pretty bad then. And in September, there was nobody at the games except for me, basically two and a half hours early yelling for baseballs and batting practice. So I got to know Heath that way. And yeah, he's been in a bunch of videos over the years. I stayed with him out in San Diego four years ago and we road trip together to the World Series at Dodger Stadium and I filmed a vlog and we've played catch in the street outside his place in California and filmed that. We've just done, we've done a lot of road tripping and videos and meals and joking around and I've met his whole family and he's, he really keeps things loose and light. I love his attitude and I wish that more players 
took that approach, you know, that baseball is a game and that fans are all right. You know, obviously there's, there's jerks everywhere and you got to watch out and protect your privacy and your safety. But Heath was always interested and excited to get to know people. He'd come over and just chat with folks while he signed autographs, threw a lot of balls into the crowd. And his on-field personality really translates to his behind-the-scenes personality. Great guy. So he's definitely my answer. Same could be said about Kirby Yates, right? Oh, God. All right. So Chris is trolling here. Yeah. Kirby Yates. Again, just a brief interaction with him from the stands to the field, but not the most friendly player. We can leave it at that. Mm -hmm. um, so this is more of a, a content question. Uh, so with kind of the pandemic, obviously you can have fans of the games. Uh, what went into the creative process for your content with kind of baseball obviously being the biggest source being out of the pitcher? Well, Chris and I still hit up a bunch of games last year at a few different stadiums, places where fans weren't even allowed inside, but there was still some action to be found on the outside. Uh, I think Fenway Park was the first one, right? And they had a whole dining bar area set up on an outdoor parking garage, which is normally a garage behind the Green Monster. And uh, yeah, I think probably my favorite trip was when we drove to Buffalo. Was that like a seven hour drive or something? Yeah. And I, I got pulled over for a speeding ticket and talked my way out of it. <laughs> you dealt with a lot of cops that trip. Oh my God, yeah. Was, they gave you a hassle at, because uh, we had to cross an on-ramp to a highway for Zach to get on a, a barrier to look inside the park and yeah Salem field they, they weren't letting fans in so all the action was on the outside and there's a yeah a big uh like highway entrance ramp right behind the left field wall and the local cops were always chasing people away from being on the stadium side of the road you had to go across the road where of course you couldn't see anything and yeah a lot of cops on that trip oh and then even the security guards in right field hassling me for trying to use my cup trick to grab a ball from the second level of the garage. There's a lot of shenanigans and sneaking around that goes on sometimes. And, you know, none of it is really causing any harm, but some people like to make rules just to flex their muscles and make rules. So we have to deal with that. Well, but, the minor league security guards were all over that. Oh my God. But yeah. I, I will say your, your glove trick with the pen and rubber band is thoroughly impressive. Oh, and right. I, it is, it seems like something that should be like, you know, easy or like, logical but with the with the rubber band and being able to catch thing or pick it up like it's it's fascinating to me i don't know what it is well thanks i appreciate that that's something that i came up with when i was about 14 or 15 pre-internet so i didn't have a tutorial video to guide me through it and i am not a science guy i am not handy or crafty in pretty much any other way but i just knew that i had to come up with some way to lower something from the stands and be able to pick up baseballs. And back in the early 90s, stadium security was non-existent in a lot of places. I mean, even at Yankee Stadium, which now is, it has more rules than the other 29 stadiums combined, you could get away with all kinds of stuff at Yankee Stadium back in the day. And baseballs during batting practice would roll right onto the warning track and sit at the base of the wall there were no groundskeepers, there were no security guards, the players weren't coming over, and these baseballs would just sit there for 10, 20 minutes, and nobody could get them. So that's really what inspired the glove trick. And it, for anybody listening, 
you know, just go on YouTube, search my name and add the words glove trick and you'll see a tutorial video explaining how to set it up. But that's, that's one of the many tips and tricks and strategies that I've come up with over the years. Yeah. So, I mean, and what you do for baseball, I think is great. And I don't think a lot of people, you know, maybe they misunderstand you or whatever, but you're trying to make the game more fun and you're adding a different element to just going to the game and just going to watch the game. There's a game within the game. So with both of you being at so many games and watching so much baseball, there's been a lot of, you know, criticism lately with players and the unwritten rules of baseball or, you know, that they're just taking things too seriously and some, the game needs to be adjusted. What are some things that you guys would do to, you know, get baseball's popularity back to where it was or get some people that were back on, that are back on board? Juice the baseballs. Juice them. The, the, the McGuire Sosa era was fantastic. I think people want to see home runs. And this year, I think they, what they do, they dull the baseballs a little bit, Zach? Supposedly, but I've been, uh, I've been corresponding with basically the, the head scientist slash researcher, not for MLB, but uh, her name is Meredith Wills, and she's been conducting her own studies. And she thinks that the baseballs that are supposedly going to be deader may actually still travel farther because there's going to be a reduction in drag, um, there's, there's a lot of science and interesting stuff going on behind it. But so Chris wants the, the baseballs juiced up. Yeah. And I want people taking steroids, everybody who can take them. Wow. Okay. I want to see, I want to see 500 foot home runs and I want to see them all the time. I think that, I think that the starting pitcher should be forced to pitch the whole game. Ooh, that's a good one. Either that or do like a volleyball thing where after every out or every inning, everybody rotates one position. That would be fun. I think imagine like, you know, Yadier Molina playing shortstop or something like that. Like some guy with limited range whatsoever trying to play, you know, shortstop or center field. That would be interesting to watch. Definitely. How about a home run derby uh, to decide extra innings? It'd be like oh. uh, yeah. <laughs> you like hockey yeah, like the, the hockey the shootout let's get rob man for listening to this i think we could we could revolutionize the game um well you know we we value you guys time and i know you guys got to get out of here so we'll just ask you we have one more set of rapid fire questions and then we'll wrap things up yeah so you guys have been to almost all of the stadiums zach's been to all of them i would assume uh chris you've been to 28 out of the 32 is that correct i have four more to go so First one, which stadium has the best food? Uh, stadium with the best food. I'm going to go with Yankee Stadium and specifically the Legends area. What do we got in the Legends area? What's that? What type of food do they, do they serve there? I mean, everything. It's, the tickets are insanely expensive, but once you, once you have paid that, all the food is unlimited and free. And it's high-end stuff like lobster all the way down to hot dogs. But just, I mean... The desserts alone, you could make a seven-course feast out of that and just, I mean, steak and sushi and salads and pasta, and they bring in specialty chefs every different game for a, a different signature item. It's really extravagant and excessive and fun. And I seem to make it down there about maybe once a year on average. I don't think I've ever paid uh, for a ticket there. I do games with people called Watch With Zach Games, and occasionally my clients like to splurge and they have tickets there. So that's usually how I end up there. And it is 
fun. I think you said rapid fire, Zach. Oh, sorry. Hey. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with I'm a tie between Oakland and Miami. Really? Yeah. Oakland. Oakland has some Oakland has one of the best hot dogs in Major League Baseball. Uh, I'm gonna dispute your Oakland claim, but you know, you do you. All right, we'll, we'll do we'll do rapid fire. I'm gonna. Right. Do- I was kidding you. I'm busting your balls, buddy. Uh, stadium that was the most pleasant surprise the first time you visited it. Ooh. Oh. I needed these ahead of time. Um, the real answer in real time. Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City, very laid back and chill and just gorgeous with the fountains there. I was there before they renovated the outfield for the first time and just such an awesome, almost like a minor league vibe. I loved it. I'm going to say Tropicana Field. I thought it would be the worst place I would ever walk into. And when I walked in for the first time to work with MLB, I was like, this isn't half bad. It's kind of cool. It's kind of quirky. So I'm going to go Tampa. All right. Uh, Stadium that opposite side, maybe you were expecting a ton from that maybe just didn't, you know, live up to the expectations. Coors Field, Denver. Uh, People rave about how gorgeous it is. To me, it is just the cookie cutter stadium of this current generation. I mean, there's, to me, there's very little that actually stands out there. It's perfectly nice. It's fine, good facilities, but yeah, so what is my impression of Coors Field? Sorry, Rockies fans, no offense. I like Nash- Nationals Park is boring. I hate it. Yes, yes, also true. Nothing there. Really? Yeah. Coors Field I've been to, and I kind of agree with you. The only thing that I will say is the, the skyline in the back. If you get the, the game that I went to, the sunset in like the second inning, and it was coming right over, and you see the outside of like Denver right out there. So that was pretty cool. Um, I can do the White Sox, too, by the way. If I never go to a White Sox game again, I'm fine. <laughs> um, so we're, we're Fenway guys, obviously. We're Red Sox fans. Going to a Red Sox game is like you have to take out a loan to go some of the time. It's $14 <laughs> for a beer. It's $10 for a hot dog. Uh, what is, is Fenway the most expensive visit to a ballpark? And if not, what is? Well, San Francisco is pretty expensive, Zach. I, I might go with Fenway just because the seating capacity is so small. The fan base is so large. It's crammed right into, you know, a city surrounding area with very little parking. So if you park near the stadium, that's going to run you like 60 bucks. Um, so yeah, that can definitely be expensive. Yankee stadium is very pricey, but you know, there's cheap seats to be had in the upper deck. So uh, Wrigley Field is also a, a pretty pricey experience, again, with limiting, limited parking around the stadium, for sure. Yeah, I would say Fenway. I guess I would agree. Yeah. And then uh, – I go there, I don't pay for anything. That's true, too. Um, so what is your favorite either, like, little intricacy or uh, feature to a stadium that maybe someone who's never been there might not know about? Hmm. Oh, I'll tell you one about Fenway that just – came to mind and I actually featured it in a video a number of years ago but if you're out in the seats in kind of center field right next to where the green monster ends sort of that deep triangle area there is a back door like at the the behind the back row of seats basically embedded in the wall and I don't even think it's it's marked or anything but you can go right out that door 
And then you find yourself on those staircases that lead right up to the green monster seating. Um, and it's just a, it's a nice little shortcut. So I, I, I was there for years and years before I realized even what that was. Yeah, that is true. You can get up to the monster seats right past security. Oh, I mean, I think they're still going to check your ticket at the top. Oh, is there a person there? Yeah, but I'm saying like in batting practice, if you're if you're in the stadium early and you can you can move around, that's certainly a, a quicker way to you know get back and forth from one spot to another. It's all about access, cutting time, cutting distance. A lefty's up, you want to be here. A righty's up, you want to go there. So it's you know it's all about uh, getting around the ballpark quickly and easily. Well, guys, thank you so much for this. Um, make sure you follow Zach on YouTube, Zach Hampel, uh, Instagram, Twitter, um, and make sure you've uh, – I'm sure you guys are going to have a, a lot of great content coming out this season, especially being able to actually get into some stadiums this year. Um, so we're really looking forward to seeing what you guys do this year. We hope so. And follow Chris too, Fenway Chris. Yep, Yonner NYC on Instagram. There it is. That's where I normally post. Perfect. Well, thank you guys so much, uh, and we'll talk soon. Awesome, guys. Thanks thank for your time. All right, so we are now in the gambling portion of the show. Last week was a tough week for the boys. Nobody had a winning record. Nobody even had an even record. Last week, I went one and two. Dave went one and two, and Bob went two, three, and one. Had an opportunity to go three, three, and one. Luca Garza's points was at 24, and then... He just didn't score again for the last 10 minutes. He was at 24 points and then didn't score again for the last 10 minutes. And they were winning by a lot, too. So you would have thought that that would have been a gimme. But, hey, you'll take what you can get. Bob, thoughts? Tough beat on the Garza. Um, you know, we went 2-3-1, and one, which we got a bounce back from. But our one of our wins was a plus-20 money line, which at the end of the day kind of makes the money back. So... You'll take it, take it, and just pray for pray for better days. Dave, thoughts on the week? Yeah, the only thing that went well for me was Oklahoma State, which we've been talking about. So probably just going to keep going with them, to be honest. My Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, they're going to be in the tournament, and I'm going to bet on them no matter what the line is, no matter who they play. They play Gonzaga, I'll, I'll take a money line. I'm going to Final Four. Future bit. I, I don't even know. I, I haven't even seen any of those on DraftKings at all. Um, let's just go straight into this week's bets. Bob, you said you got five, four, six. Where are we at? I, I'll be honest. I started with four, and on my sheet, I actually have nine picks. Um, they're not all. Six of them were this week. Three of them are futures. You put There were three or four, and then you kind of put some thoughts into my head that I completely forgot about a, a big event on Saturday night where I threw in another one. Um, but I'll kind of just roll with it, um, give my analysis. Saturday, I got the Cowboys of Oklahoma State uh, on the road at West Virginia. I think they'll cover. Again, we don't know the lines yet, so it's just kind of just taking a guess on them playing a good game. Um, Ohio State against Illinois. I think this is a big bounce-back game. I think they kind of come and – kind of hammer Illinois, um, which will be huge for them to get back on the right track. I have Providence at home covering against Villanova. Providence has a David Duke. They got A.J. Reeves. Um, I forget their big name. Their, their big name. It's Nate Watson. 
they're they have a chance to make a run. They're one of those teams that like they're always kind of out of it, and then somehow they'll sneak in the tournament. I don't. They have to win the conference this year, but give me Providence covering against Villanova at home. They'll be dogs. Um, and Saturday night we're talking about the big event UFC. Um, if you see on DraftKings, Brandon Schwab has an odds boost. Uh, I would also like to call that the Bob Horgan odds boost because that was my exact thoughts. Uh, it's a plus 250 bet to take Israel Adesanya, Amanda Nunez, and I don't know his first name, but Sterling. Uh, he's not the champion at his weight class. He's fighting Peter Yang or Jan or something like that. Um, so those three guys is an odds boost if you're on DraftKings. I like that. Um, Saturday is going to be sick. Uh, three championship fights for UFC, which is kind of a growing sport in popularity and kind of in the college realm. Sunday, I got Manchester United and Manchester City. I'm going soccer. I'm going to take the draw. I'm going to take the draw. The coward's pick. The draw. City, City's won 21 straight games. I'm, I'm going with the draw. And then I'm gonna, okay. Yeah, I'm taking the draw. I'm taking the coward's pick. And then I'm taking Michigan State to cover against Michigan at home on Sunday, senior night. Um, that's not knowing the result of tonight's game. And then I'll throw out my three futures. Again, I'm probably diluting this, you know, podcast with picks. But I got Oregon to win the Pac-12 plus 275. Um, it's the fourth best odds in the Pac-12. I like them. And then two just absolute – if you want to throw two bucks on them to make some money, I'm going to take Syracuse at plus 5,000 to win the ACC. And then I'm going to take Providence plus 3,000 to win the Big East. Providence plus three. They're probably going to have a play-in game too. They could make a run. They can make a run. All right. All right. Um, Dave, you want to go first or you want me to, or you want me to go? I can go because Bob seems to take my pick up. Almost every week, we have such a – our brains are just so similar. Man United versus Man City, draw. I also had that. I said 21 wins in a row, it's got to end soon. It's got to end at some point. And Man United's a very good team, rivalry game, Derby, if you will. Um, yeah, United I, um, going for the draw. Hey, I'm just going to tell you, I was looking at that game. No Martial, no Pogba. Who knows? Who knows? Anything can happen in the Manchester Derby. No problem. Derby. All right, uh, go ahead, Dave. Yeah. Bob, did you do the Michigan-Michigan State game? Yeah, I took the Sunday game, not, the, not tonight's game. Oh. Um, I don't know which one it is, but at Michigan State. Is that tonight? Or Sunday. Tonight? That's Sunday. Sunday? All right. Well, I actually – I'm going to take Michigan because the line's probably going to be a little tighter. Rivalry game. Senior night. I don't know. I don't know if they have fans in Michigan. Is that? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Probably parents will get to go because it's senior night, but I don't, I don't know. Well, even if they do, I'm still I'm still going to take that was, Michigan. That was Iowa. I was thinking of the game that was last Sunday, but that was Iowa versus Ohio State. Um, and then, you know, I love my Patriot League, so I'm coming at you with a parlay. Um, you could do separate. I, can I have this count as separate games, or does it have to count as the parlay for my record? If it's a parlay, it'll only count as one. If it's a straight, if they're all straights, then they'll all count individually. All right, well, I'll say straight, but wink, wink, if you want to take it parlay, do that. Sprinkle um, the parlay. So Navy over Loyola, Colgate over BU, and Lafayette over Bucknell. 
there's just like a pretty big talent difference in the Patriot League. There's some really bad teams and some okay teams. What day are those games? I don't, I don't remember. All right. Okay. That's either fine. I believe it's this weekend. It's okay. this weekend. Um, and then future bet. I already mentioned it. If you want to throw a little bit to make a lot, put it on UMass to win the A10. <laughs> do you know what the odds are by chance? I do not, but I would assume they're around five thousand or so. Bob, you looking at it right now? No, I don't know. Well, I don't. I can't. I don't think you can get them on DraftKings. Yeah, let me. I'll, I'll Google it right now. Yeah. Odds to win a ten. I mean, it's probably high because they'd have to go through St. Louis, St. Bonaventure, and uh, as of as of yesterday, it was plus four thousand. They just beat St. Joe's, so I'm probably it's probably not going to change too much. So it'll probably be like plus three thousand. Yeah. Yeah, probably thirty-five. Yeah, we'll we'll do that for you. <laughs> uh, you throwing a unit on that? You throwing half a unit? What are we talking? About? Man, I don't even ha- half a unit. I guess five bucks. Okay. Yeah, that's five bucks, okay. right? If it's ten. Okay. Yeah. Sam- for you, it's ten. It's five bucks. Yeah. I'm catching on. Half a unit. All right. Um, so for me, I'm going to start off. My first one is going to be um, Belmont to win the Ohio Valley tournament uh, minus one thirty. They shouldn't have too much of a tough time. The only team that can really see them giving giving them a run would be Murray State. They beat S I E U last night. Um, Southeastern Illinois Evansville University, I believe it is. S I E U. Shit. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. No, they're a team that I think can maybe make a little noise in March. I think they should probably cruise through this. But then, as soon as I say that, they're gonna lose. Um, so that's minus one thirty. I'm gonna throw a unit on that, or one point three to win one. My next one is going to be Southampton plus half a goal. Borussia Mönchengladbach versus um, – who are they playing? I was just looking at it. Dave, want to help me out here? Um, yeah, if I can look it up faster than you. <laughs> oh, also, one thing that you love oh, – Leverkusen, 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 Leverkusen. One thing that you love to see, the Phillies just beat the Yankees 15 nothing. Love that. Sorry to interrupt. No, all good. All right, so the parlay is Southampton plus half a goal, Leverkusen and Mönchengladbach over two goals, and then Dortmund is playing Bayern this year or this week. Probably the biggest game in Germany all year. I'm going to take over three goals in that. That parlay comes out to plus 140. I'm throwing two units on it, two units to win, 2.8 units. I'm uh, going to need my help my myself get up the leaderboard a little bit. And then my last one is going to be a – Another soccer one. I'm going to take Barcelona to win the second leg. That doesn't mean they have to go through. They just have to be on the right side of the scoreline. They're going to have to score some goals. The last time I looked at it, it was plus 190. I'll have to take a look again. I just think for those odds, Barcelona is going to have to score. Even if they like win 2-1 or something like that and they don't go through, it'd still be a win for me. Um, so those are the picks for the week. Dave, you got something for, to ponder for us? Yeah, I kind of just thought about this 10 seconds ago, so it might sound really dumb as usual. But just think about the concept of walls. You're putting like, I guess it, it's it's not wood. What is it? like? It's wood. It is wood. All right. So you're, it comes back to the tree guy, whoever decided to cut the tree. You're, you're literally using wood to separate yourself from another person who's like in their own little box of wood. I don't know. It's, it's just a little strange to me. All right. Well, hey, ponder that. We'll see you next week. Um, we might uh, 
I think we're going to have the interview that we have scheduled probably go on the next podcast, uh, considering it will be March Madness week. And then, um, yeah, that's, that's your hint. The next guest is a March Madness guy. So it'll be a very good one. I'm very, one that I'm really interested and excited for. I think everybody else that is on here is also. Um, so that'll be it for the week. Fellas, take care. We'll talk soon. Peace. Yep.